Hi, and welcome to Culture Lit, a podcast and community that explores Black women and romantic love through the lens of romance novels. I'm your host, Octavia Marie. Each episode of Culture Lit trains a spotlight on a new Black romance novel and then deep dives into the many themes facing Black women and love after 40. Be ready to laugh, sigh, and talk about Black women falling in love, yes, sex too, and the Black authors writing their stories. She wanted steady love, a love that was too ordinary to inspire fiction, a collection of sacred, small, everyday moments, not high-stakes drama. She wanted a relationship that was a choice every minute of every day. Woo! Today, I'm so incredibly excited to talk about what I think is one of the top releases of 2021 from one of the most talented writers of our time. New York best-selling author Tia Williams. Her new novel, Seven Days in June, is a masterclass in storytelling. Some of you may be learning of Tia Williams for the first time, but she is definitely not new to this. Tia's novel, The Perfect Fun, is currently being adapted for Netflix, starring none other than Gabrielle Union. If you haven't already read Seven Days in June, please do yourself a favor, girl, and go get a copy now. You will not be disappointed. This book is smart, it's sexy, it makes you feel light and floaty in the best way. Seven Days in June is about two famous authors, one who writes erotica, romance, the other who is a literary fiction author. They seem to randomly meet for the first time at this literary event in Brooklyn, and baby do barks fly. But unbeknownst to everyone else there witnessing this chemistry between Eva and Shane, They know each other because they spent a very torrid, romantic seven days together in their teens. But circumstances tore them apart and they went their separate ways. Even Shane haven't spoken to each other since. But we soon learned that they've been secretly communicating with each other over the past 15 years through their books. And now they show up in each other's lives and have to begin to figure out what to do next. Tia manages to tell this intricate story of Eva and Shane in such a fast-paced way, but also in an intentional and slow-burning way. It's truly magical how she weaves this storytelling over a 15-year period. Seven Days in June gives us a second-chance romance spanning 15 years between Eva and Shane. Eva is now a Black single mother. She has the most adorable, aspiring teen therapist that is hilarious throughout the book. They live in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and Eva also suffers from chronic migraines. There's discussion of intergenerational trauma, mothering, chronic pain, and the lineage of a Black Louisiana French Creole history. When I talk to lovers of all things books, one of the biggest beasts they always have with romance is that people either think romance storylines are trying too hard or they're unrealistic. But for those holdouts, I think this is a great romance to cut your teeth on. Eve and Shane's love story, it just felt so real and palpable. Their high school history felt like something I wasn't supposed to be peering into. It was intimate, but it was heavy, and it was brilliant nevertheless. Understanding why the title of the book is the title of the book is one of my most favorite moments, and it's a magical moment as a reader. There's so much else here about what love looks like when burdened by our traumas, not allowing for that gleam at the end of the tunnel, or even the faintest glimpse of hope. 
what love looks like while suffering from a disability or an addiction, which I personally haven't seen to this extent in a romance novel. It deals with how our traumas can manifest into varying extremes from healthy boundaries that hold you back from living your life to drowning into unhealthy old habits just because they're familiar. It's a beautiful depiction of the battle between the love we allow ourselves to receive because we are unworthy or too much to demand more versus what we deserve, which is always, always more. The way Tia integrates the story of a chronic pain illness into this romance is seamless because we all have something, you know. No one is this romantic comedy heron just skipping through life. It's not just adorable clumsiness or the quirky gap. We deal with some real shit. Hey girl, hey. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you sign up for our occasional newsletter and join our community at culturelitpodcast.com, where we share book reviews, you can interact with our guests, and you'll have a chance to tell me your story and be a part of our community. That's culturelitpodcast.com. Now, back to the show. So I love the way Tia infuses such a real-life issue into this second-chance love story. Both Shane and Eva have these painful backstories and personal demons to tackle. I think that's one of the reasons why Seven Days in June resonated so much with readers. Because Shane and Eva had real traumas to overcome, which just happened to be in the middle of a love story. My heart twisted and turned and was stretched thin and pulled in so many ways. This book was so good that somehow I did manage to get a headache when reading in a moving car because I truly was elsewhere mentally. If you're at all interested or intrigued by this book, please pick it up. Even Shane's relationship is raw. It's vulnerable, playful. It's true. Tia weaves in so many important realities of her life into this character, making it all the more real and honest. For example, while dealing with chronic illness, we get to dive into the treatment of minors and patients of color by medical professionals. This really resonated with me because we're seeing more and more of that these days. I've even had an experience with my mother going through her cancer treatment with her cancer doctor. In seven days in June, when Eva is a teenager, she's not treated well by her medical professionals. The doctors become frustrated with Eva because she's not responding to any of their treatments. And then they do what doctors do. They take it out on her. It happens all too much in real life. That frustration then leads to doctors dumping the patients just to be done with it. But before that happens, they give you a bunch of opiates. Now there are protocols and things in place. But can you imagine being a 13-year-old child on methadone for years? 10 years, 12 years, to the point that you would fall asleep literally in people's faces and just nod out. It's insane. And obviously your body gets addicted to this. So they have to keep changing the dosage, upping the dosage. And then it was just a disaster. So doctors and adults start to dismiss your symptoms. They start with, oh, you're just about to get your period or you're a very A-type person. You're stressing yourself out. So just relax. Everything will be fine. Maybe you should loosen up. No one believes women, and no one believes black women at all. I think there's no one more powerless than a 13-year-old girl trying to tell her doctors and the adults she's in pain. They're just not taken seriously. And then Eva wasn't even taken seriously. And because she was given these really powerful weird drugs to combat her pain, it turned into an addiction. We see it all the time. 
And that happens a lot. So it's a deep issue the author gives you a look into. You see how Eva manages and how debilitating the migraines are for her, how it affects her relationships, her relationships with her intimate partners, her friends, and even her daughter. Her daughter, Audra, was actually one of my favorite characters. She's an aspiring therapist and stand-in Snapchat therapist at her school. She's hilarious in this book. And I recently read that Audra is getting her own young adult novel, which I think is awesome. I can't read. I can't wait to read Audra's story. I mean, because she has a booming therapist side hustle to her friends and classmates at school. She's so precocious from her mannerisms and the way she speaks. You can tell that she grew up with a single mom who hung out with her mom and her mom's friends. And then she adapted the way they talk during their little kikis. She reminds me a lot of my daughter listening to her, quote, going folk conversations and then stepping in, asking questions and giving out advice. It's so indicative of a daughter of a single mother because you kind of become contemporaries. Sometimes Audra's the one with the most sense in the room. So for the reader, you can see these issues coming from a mile away. Or you can see how Eva and Shane are being dysfunctional in the same way that Audra can. In Seven Days in June, Tia also touches on the idea of generational curses through the matriarchal lineage. I had a friend who had only women in her family. There were no men. The men either didn't stay, they died, or there were no sons born. So there weren't any dads around. And like a lot of kids, she grew up without a dad around. It's like that island that Wonder Woman comes from. It's just all these amazing Amazon women, right? And all you know is women and women warriors. So in Eva's book, her mother is Creole from Louisiana. So you get a little of that culture and that history through Eva's journey. A lot of Black folks in America don't know much about that culture. We don't know about its rich, exciting, colorful culture. I've been doing my own ancestry research for the last few years, and my father's family traces back to Louisiana, to Creole, Louisiana, and that culture. Everyone knows the food. You know, you know the gumbo and crawfish etouffee, the jambalaya, and you know that part of the culture. But we really don't know where it comes from. We don't know that Louisiana French Creoles are black people who descended usually from a French plantation owner and an enslaved black woman. And then over the years, there's intermarrying with Native Americans, Spanish immigrants, and a lot of the Haitian people who rebelled in Haiti and made their way to Louisiana. There's such a mixture of different cultures and nationalities and backgrounds that created this really, really colorful culture in Louisiana. Everyone has French last names. Everyone's grandma or great-grandma speaks Creole, which is kind of a mixture between Southern Black English and bastardized French. The food is amazing. The music is amazing. The storytelling is absolutely out of this world. There's this fascinating oral tradition. And then the culture that kind of encapsulates the history of racial dynamics in America because it's all right there. Like every Creole person can trace their roots back to a French guy and an enslaved black woman. And in their bloodline, it's just the history of how this country came to be. And so it's a really interesting look into the culture. And there's this whole idea that Creoles are very, very light-skinned. And some even look completely like what you would think is white, blue eyes, curly blonde hair. Back in the early parts of the 21st century, there was a lot of passing, too. Once they got to an age where they could leave their bayou town, they would move somewhere where no one knew them. And that's very looked down upon 
today, obviously. But back then, it was a matter of life and death. Like, what they were escaping in those southern towns was terrorism and brutality. So it became a question of, can I stay here or can I go somewhere and have babies that I don't have to worry about being dragged out of their bed and burned at the stake? And Eva doesn't know her family. It's just been her and her mom. She's not connected to Louisiana or any place because she grew up all over the U.S. And so she has this burning urge to find out more about the women in her family. So that's another interesting dynamic the book touches on. Seven Days in June is about second chances and soulmates. I think we all have been there. We've all had that one that kind of got away. And we all ask ourselves the age-old question, do soulmates have an expiration date? I mean, I know that we all, like I said, we all have that one that got away, the one we wish we could have met at a different time in our lives. Some of us may wonder what could it be like to meet that person now? Like, would it feel the same 5, 10, 15 years later? Would we remember everything the same way? Would we have conflated it in our heads over the years? Would the love have faded? What would they be wearing? What would we say to each other after all that time? Like, would all be forgiven? Seven Days in June has all these questions about the one that got away. Eva has to reckon this old flame and the woman she used to be and who she's running from. Suddenly, Eva had to deal with her. Learning how to love and forgive her. I think it makes her a stronger Eva in the end. You have to learn and accept yourself. Otherwise, you can't move forward with any honesty or authenticity. And I think my last thought after reading this book was that I wasn't even confident that Shane would stick around for a long-term relationship. But then I asked myself also, would Eva? Because Shane isn't the only one who has issues to deal with. All right, I'll leave it there. Seven Days in June is out now from Grand Central Publishing. If you haven't picked up your copy yet, you can order yours now through the Culture Lit Podcast bookshop link below. You can find Tia on her site at tiawilliams.net and on Instagram at tiaw underscore writes and on Twitter at tiawilliamswrites. You've been listening to Culture Lit with Octavia Marie. And that's all for us this week. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Culture Lit. You can find Culture Lit on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, please be sure to leave a review and let us know what you think. Don't forget to talk to me on social or share your Black love stories at Becoming Octavia Marie on Instagram or XO Octavia Marie on Twitter. Make sure you sign up for our occasional newsletter and join our community at culturelitpodcast.com. Mm-hmm.